Welcome to the One Church Home podcast. This podcast is directly tied to our weekly teachings. If OCH isn't your home church, we encourage you to get plugged into your local body. We pray the sermon blesses you as we press into the Word of God together. You know, they tell you when you, when you get to a certain size as a church, you, you kind of lay off the controversy. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about you know, crazy stuff. And well, last week we talked about politics and this week we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So let's lean all in. But the bottom line is, is, is that we want to be, a, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to jeopardize who we are in some effort to conform to our world. I want to be the church of the living God to show the world how to conform to Christ. And so I, I believe that, that our job is to, is to preach and teach and, and educate and, 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 and grow the church so that we can actually show the, the I don't think the world's looking for another church to, to just look like every other church. I think the church longs to see something, or the world longs to see something different. And so we'll talk about the hard things and we're gonna talk about the fact that we're spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Jesus-loving, word-preaching people of God. Some of you are like, what? I didn't know that. Now you do. No, I, 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 I've been thinking today, we've been in this series and I was thinking today about, about just a way to connect to this. And it, it kind of, have you ever had a situation where you were somewhere, you know, this probably happens more on Facebook than anywhere now, but you're out and about somewhere and somebody is talking about someone you know, but they're talking about it in a way that wasn't true. Has anybody ever encountered that? So you're, you're hearing something, you know, imagine this, you know, imagine you're out and about, you know, you're down at the, uh, you know, Nando's for lunch, and somebody says, have you ever heard about that one church home there? They're that kind of old and stagnant church, and the, this is what's really going to throw you off. The pastor dresses funny, and you would immediately just go, no way. That's <laughs> only my friends laugh. That's good. So all of a sudden, you'd go, man, that, that's not true. Why? Well, because they're three years old. They can't be that old, and and they're certainly not stagnant. There's a lot of things happening over there. And well, we all know the answer to the third one. <laughs> but something about it would throw you off. You'd go, that's, that's not who we are. And, and something would compel you perhaps to even say something, speak up and go, that's not, that's not accurate. Now, now, I'm not saying everything's perfect over there, but those things that are being said aren't exactly true. And I think it's important to realize that as we think about who God is, when we think about what he's like, when we think about the, the greatness of our God, it's important to remember that something has to accurately and rightly define who God is. That, that sometimes it, it, we've, we've allowed too much feelings and too many emotions and too many just creative ideas to come in to start talking about and defining who our God is and in, in an effort to, to clarify and in an effort to 
bring truth to this conversation, it's imperative for us to look back at the truth of what God's word says and let that rightly define who God is in and, and through our world. Because for too often, we've, we've kind of heard things and, and listen, I, I'm not saying in any way that we're gonna limit what God is capable of because of our, our, our finite thinking, right? Like God can do anything he wants except break who he is. He, he, can't, he can't jeopardize his character by, by breaking the, the, the nature of who he is. The only limit he has is the fact that he is love, so he can't therefore not love. The only limits he has are the nature of who he is. So if that's the case, then there are some things we can know for certain, and then there's some things that we just gotta go, listen, he is big and great and mysterious, and we might not understand it fully, but we can know it wholly. And so our, our pursuit is, let's look at, at who God is and what he's like. We've spent weeks, I think this is the 13th week, I won't say consecutive, because we paused it, had a series in there, we kept it going, we had another one-off, and then we're continuing and finishing it up today. But the bottom line is, is we've looked at a lot of different names of who God is. We've looked at him as the provider, the healer, the banner, the peace, the shepherd, the righteousness, the presence. We've looked at him as father and as son, and today we look at him as Holy Spirit. This is not a God that is so confused that he can't decide on one identity, so he gives himself 30. This is a great and wonderful, beautiful, magnificent God that when looked upon from different perspectives and angles reveals the wholeness of who he is to us. So he doesn't cease to be this while he continues to be this. He doesn't sort of do this, but then on days when he's really feeling it, he acts like this. No, he's all of these things, all of the time, that expresses the magnitude of who he is. And so he's not, he's also not divided, right? We said he's three persons and yet one God. This is a, this is a core doctrine of, of what we believe as Christians, that God is the triune God. And so all of a sudden you realize, you go like, well, that's confusing. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Three, one. That's it. <laughs> We don't fully get that. You know, it's not that he's, some mornings he wakes up as father and then other days he wants to be the spirit because he wants to be a little more mysterious. And then other days he's the son. No, it's one God, full triune, three persons, one God. Not three separate gods, one God, three people. Expressed as all of these names that we've looked at. They are provider and Jehovah and but each the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna, this is a workout up here today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have distinct and unique roles as presented in the scripture that help us understand how they operate and function in and around our world. We talked about how the Father has, has revealed himself through the Son. The Son has come to redeem the world. 
but he only does what the Father sees. He, he, he models for us as a guide how to operate in and on and around this world. So we live like Jesus. Jesus does nothing he hasn't seen the Father do, so he's emulating the Father, but how do we do that? Because we can't do it on our own. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in, empowered by, animated by the Holy Spirit of God coming and working in this perfect, mysterious way to give us life and godliness. And so we have this incredible picture of the, the triune nature of God. And today, as we explore the Holy Spirit, I want to say right out of the gate, we are talking about one of the most misunderstood and misrepresented persons of the Trinity that there is. In today's church, because we have two extremes happening. One is the total denunciation. I don't think that's actually a word, but the total denouncing of the Holy Spirit. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. I wasn't raised in a, in a charismatic church. And so the Holy Spirit is just something, you know, that we say, but it's kind of like, he's just this energy or like a vibe. That's heresy. He's a person. And, and so there's a, there's a reality that if we, if we push him away and say, he doesn't exist, one, that could be what he's talking about when we grieve the Holy Spirit. But the other grieving of the Holy Spirit that can happen is that we so focus on him, we miss what it says about him, that we, we just want to seek a circus-driven life that, that is so focused on receiving his gifts that we've abandoned his person. So either extreme is, is too far gone and it's, it's, it's allowing us to love for, for confusion, delusion, and eventually idolatry to take place. You see, because when we worship God and we allow God the ideas to, to we, we abandon truth and we start to just think about it and, and, and we're talking about it. This is like all of a sudden in a coffee shop, we're saying things that that might sound good and they feel good, but if they're not rooted in the truth, it's a lie. And so we can't have this attitude that like, you know, yeah, I, I get that's what it says, but this is how I feel. I don't wanna say it, but I gotta say it. Your feelings don't matter when it pertains to truth. Your, your, your emotional posture as it pertains, you know, it's like my kids get upset sometimes when I say it's bedtime. That doesn't mean it's not bedtime, right? It, like, like I get upset sometimes when, when I get told this or that, but it's like that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just means that's how I'm feeling about it. So we've got to remember that that God is who he says he is, as described in the scripture, nothing more and certainly nothing less. And so who is the Holy Spirit? Well, again, he is the one who's gonna empower us. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I wanna draw you to John 14 and then John 16. First in John 14, it says this, if you love me, talking of Jesus, keep my commandments and I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he might abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it's neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you orphans for I will come to you. That's Jesus. So the first thing we know is that above all else, what, who and what does the Holy Spirit do? He is a helper in the life of a believer. He is a helper. John 16 goes on to say, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So the two things that I want to say unequivocally and, and, and completely overarching everything is the Holy Spirit is a helper and an advantage to your life as a, as a, as a Christ-believing believer. Now, I don't know about you or what your needs are in this life. Again, I, I'm not here to, to, to mock or make fun of anything, but there's certain ways I see the Holy Spirit talked about in, in our church today, and I just go, what? I don't need gold dust in my life. I need an advantage to know how to raise my kids in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. I don't need some special tooth to show up in the back of my mouth. I need to understand. Some of you are like, what are we talking about? Don't worry about it. I need an advantage to, to help me navigate hard decisions as a leader. I need an advantage and a, and a helper to understand how to lay my life down for my wife. I need an advantage and a, and a helper to navigate how to deal with the fact that temptation tries to, 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 to grapple with me. How do I navigate it? Oh God, help me. That's what I need. And every one of us need it. Yes, do I want to see miracles and, and, and all the stuff? Sure, God can do whatever he wants, but my need is rooted in how to live and navigate this life. And that is who the Holy Spirit is. He says, I'm coming to give you help, support, and help you make decisions, help you navigate. And I will be a strategic advantage in every situation in your life. So why do we want to suppress that? Why would we want to push that away or go, no, 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 I don't understand it. Listen, I don't fully get it either, but I want every, I need every advantage I can get. And so I want to embrace that which might be mysterious, but I want to root it in the truth and say, I need the help of God. Can anybody relate to this? Anybody need God's help in this life? Come on. I need that strategic advantage to figure out when and where and how to, to do this. And so what does it look like when God is our helper, when the Holy Spirit comes and is our helper and in our, in our, to our advantage? Well, today we've kind of broke it down into, you know, about eight, nine things. And the beauty thing, the beauty of this is you can look and, and kind of, you know, start pulling lists down and looking at different people and the way they grab it. It all, anything, you know, you don't want to be out on the far end of, I found this new truth. I've got this new observation that no one's ever heard of before. You could be in a dangerous territory. But this is like widely known. This is widely understood through the scriptures, by the scriptures. And that's what I want to inform us. No matter what our context and our heritage is, 
what does the Bible say about who the Holy Spirit is and how he functions in our life? We know for sure he's, he's an advantage and a helper. That happens as he, number one, dwells in us. We just read it right off the top. In the spirit of truth that the world can't receive, but, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. You see, beloved, it's, it's massively important to remember that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because isolation is death. One time I made the terrible, terrible mistake of moving houses. That's not the mistake. The day I returned from a mission trip, and when you're like Ethan and you're a youth guy, the only friends you have are the people who are willing to co-labor with you. So all my buddies were my you know, volunteers on the trip. We go away for a 10-day mission trip, uh, which is nuts, um, with 50 kids. And so everybody's exhausted. And you get back from this mission trip. We, we get back, and I was so excited. We were selling our house. I just, I don't know why I did this, y'all. I signed up to close our home the day we got back from the mission trip. See, the problem is when you close on your home, you have to be out of your home. Sorry, I missed the detail, you know? <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm getting home and I can barely see straight and I haven't, you know, slept well in a week and I, you know, I don't do well in those situations. And, and I get home and I'm like, wait a second, we gotta move today. Amanda, we're moving today. Did you get anybody? She's like, that's your job. Right, 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 right. I did not get anybody. And, you know, I'm a pretty ambitious guy. And so I kind of approach it. And I go, you know what? I got this. I got it. It's not a problem. So we start, you know, getting into the thing. And I, again, I'm just, I'm still kind of in a, in a stupor from, from the week and exhausted and and I walk in the house and I'm looking around. I'm like, this isn't so bad. We got a U-Haul. We got this. About an hour and a half go by. No one's there to help. It's just us. We're loading boxes in. I think eventually the people that were buying the house were so tired of us being there. They showed up to help. But, but, but I mean, three hours in, right? This is, how, this is how short I would last in isolation. Three hours in, you know, at first it was like, I can do this. I got this. I'll just start moving. By the time I get to the washing machine, I was convinced that I was experiencing the, the concentrated wrath of God on my life and that he had abandoned me fully and forever. I was convinced that the whole world hated us and that we were banished to exile. Like it was just this most dramatic experience ever. And it was just because we just, I just forgot to schedule people to come help. And I don't say all that to get guilt because we're not moving anytime soon. But, but the reality is, is that being alone being isolated does things to you. It, it, it messes with you. It, it's not good, right? We know that from early in Genesis, that man should be alone. But you need to know something, believer, Christian. You are never, ever, ever separated from God. You are never alone. 
You're never abandoned. The Holy Spirit, the helper and advantage is in your life. He's in you. And so we have to not just say things like that, but we've got to start living like that. We've got to start embracing truth, not as though it's some observation we've learned, but a, but a truth that's rooted in how we function and live. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. I was a Christian when I thought God's wrath was poured out on me because I had to carry a washing machine by myself. <laughs> Appreciate that. But the truth of the matter is, is that, that we've got to embrace this and say, God, I'm gonna stop rehearsing the lie that I'm alone, that nobody wants me, that nobody's for me, that nobody, no, that's not true, why? Because God is in me. He's not gonna abandon me, he's not gonna leave me because I don't look a certain way, act a certain way, perform a certain way, or, or, or uh, uh, succeed in a certain way. He is with me because he dwells in me. The second thing he does is this, he teaches us all things. Now, I wish I could tell you a story like Dr. Rutland about my teachers, but I don't, he's just better at that. But, but all of us remember teachers in life. Some were teachers. Some people actually taught us things. And then other people just showed us truth, right? So, so, so revealing truth to you is different than teaching you. Pointing out facts are different than teaching you. What's the difference? Bearing with you, right? The idea that, that, that when I am, am being taught, when I'm being, being actually taught something, not just shown what's true, because being shown what's true is, is helpful, but often forgotten, but when somebody would sit and, and teach me, they would, they would take time to show me the different perspectives, different angles. They, their best interest was my learning, not their time. And it says that he teaches us all things. And so all of a sudden we now recognize that the Holy Spirit is an advantage because he doesn't just tell you stuff, he teaches you stuff. The Holy Spirit bears with you and roots down in an effort to teach you and teach you what? All things. Now think about that. That's something that we, we say probably a lot, but what does that mean? The Holy Spirit teaches us. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say he teaches us things as it pertains to how to, you know, do church. It doesn't say he teaches us a few things. It says he teaches us all things. The question is, are you interested in being a student? Are you interested in asking the question? I have been amazed in life at how often when I toil and spin and try to figure out my really unique situation that no one could ever comprehend, no one could understand the complexities of, 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 of being a youth pastor. But then all of a sudden you inquire about whatever's going on in your life. You inquire to God about it and he starts to teach you something. But, but is anybody else guilty of going, I know for sure that God will teach me all things, but I never ask? Nobody wants to raise a hand on that one. But it's true, right? 
It says in the word he's a teacher, but yet we forget and fail to treat him as such. But who is the teacher of our life? It is the Holy Spirit. The next thing is this, that he brings remembrance of all things Jesus said in John 14, 26. But the comforter who is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatever I have said unto you, can we just talk like this feels so, this is why reading the Bible matters. You know, I, I think we get so entrenched or so, so kind of caught up sometimes in, in just, well, I got to do it and I feel guilty. I don't really understand it. I don't want to read it. I don't know what to, I don't even know what to talk about. And I just, I'm going to read this. Oh, that doesn't make any sense to my life. Systematically and strategically reading the word of God, putting it in, getting it inside of you is valuable even in a moment when you don't fully know what it means or why, why am I reading this so-and-so but got so-and-so and so-and-so but got so-and-so and so-and-so but got so-and-so and so-and-so for like chapters. And you're just going, this can't be used in my life. Like there's no scenario where I'm gonna need to know. Did Malthuselah or, 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 or Absalom begot so? It's like, I just don't know when that's gonna come up. I'm venting, I... But the truth of the matter is being intentional about eating the word of God and just living and letting it satiate our life is not always for the right now. It could be that God's wanting you to deposit things into your soul that he will use in a time of need and recall out because the word is... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And, 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 and so we see all of a sudden Jesus, and we see the Word, and we see getting into his Word, and we see that he will bring to remembrance whatever things that the Word has said, that Jesus has said. So you get in the Word, and you allow the Word to get into you because G the Holy Spirit will come as an advantage in your life and draw upon the deep well of Scripture that is inside of you. The question is, are we getting it inside of us? Are we allowing the Word to, to wash over our life in a way that we go, wait, I'm not just doing this for right now. I'm not just reading this word for today. I'm depositing things into my soul so that in the time where it is needed, the truth can be brought forth. It's so important for us not to lose track of that, 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 that we're not doing this just for right this second. See, the word you read tomorrow morning in a devotional, the Holy Spirit may use in six months in your greatest time of need. But we gotta let the word in so the spirit can get to, get to work. Number four, he testifies. And even in other scriptures, he glorifies Jesus Christ. John 15, 26 says, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth who, produce, uh, who proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. And so when we think about the operations of the Holy Spirit, what he does, how he interacts with the world, he is constantly pushing people to Jesus. He is constantly 
driving people to look upon Jesus, behold Jesus, experience Jesus, love Jesus, look at Jesus. The G- Jesus is pointing to the Father. The Father is, 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 is there. And so all of a sudden we have this picture where the Holy Spirit is driving us to look upon Jesus. He comes to testify, to tell the truth, to reveal the truth. You see, my understanding is that he wants to point to Jesus and not to make a show of himself. When we look at, his, at, the, at the word, when we look at this, this picture, I think this is where sometimes we could miss it because we're, we're so worried about or are so focused on having this experience that we forget his purpose. You see, if the Holy Spirit is being called upon, Holy Spirit, come, well, all we care about is you. That's all. It's like, listen, the, the miss there is that his whole function is to point to Jesus. He wants to show you Jesus. And so he, it's, it's, it's important to realize that the focus doesn't have to be all on him. He wants to be pointing people to the person of Jesus, to testify of Christ and his sacrifice. He goes on to, in number five, convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16, eight, when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. John 16, nine, oh, sin, because they believe me not of righteousness, because I go to my father and ye see me no more and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. See, have you ever wondered what gives energy to our conscience, that thing that says, man, don't do that. That's, that's not right. Or that conviction of, of feeling of going, oh, I just did that. And there, that is not right. I got to make that right. I did, that's wrong. Or a thing that goes, man, I did that. And that was the right thing to do. What is that thing in us that, that speaks to the, the truth about what's happening and how we're functioning? It's indeed the Holy Spirit. He's convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so we don't need to, again, this is, I think, often overlooked. He teaches us all things. He testifies of Jesus. He reveals to us and convicts us of, of sin, of brokenness, when we, when we miss the mark of, of righteousness, when we're operating in, in the way God's made us to live or in judgment to, to recognize that which is right and that which is wrong. All of that is the work of the Holy Spirit in and through our life. And I know this sounds a bit just... Okay, great. We, you know, we've read that before, but, but we need to be reminded of these things because the last time I checked, I haven't heard this a lot. You know, like even the songs we sing, it's Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Oftentimes we don't throw in, oh, you're welcome here to convict me of my sin. God, convict me of my judgment. Convict me of my righteousness. Show me what to do. And I'm not saying, it doesn't sound great in a song. That's fine. But we're going to talk about it because it's the truth. And so we need to be people who get comfortable with conviction. We need to get comfortable with God speaking to us about where we've missed it and broken it. If every time you you get corrected or you get shown kind of, hey, this wasn't right, we need to be better here, and it's, how dare you? It could be 
that you need to have an experience with the Holy Spirit because I don't know about it. This feels like it's happening all the time with me. Maybe I'm just a total mess, but I feel like he's constantly convicting me. Ian, you missed it there. Yep, that one, you missed it there. Yeah, and I don't get as much on the righteousness, but the other ones I get. But the reality is, is we've got to be people who operate this way. We don't just want to experience, you know, I think so often we get caught up in just the spiritual gifts, just the healing. But again, notice this one, this number six, he guides us into all truth. All these, so many surrounding truth in the word. John 16, 13, however, uh, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. Again, he's constantly pushing us toward teaching us, helping us understand what's going on, helping us discern what's happening in and around our world. I mean, t- tomorrow, when you go to work or the next day, if tomorrow, you know, if you get off for Veterans Day, the bottom line is, is you have a strategic advantage in life. You have an unusual advantage in this world because you have a teacher that is willing to teach you all things. And by the way, that's the teacher who made all things. So you don't think he understands how to navigate your unique situation at your corporate job or your fill-in-the-blank job or your parenting job or your pastoring job or your plumbing job? Like God can give you an advantage because he can teach you all things and he can guide you into all truth. I believe we've sold short the work of the Holy Spirit in our American Christian life. We have have relinquished a power that is available to the Christian to be empowered, to do all things and do them with excellence as unto the king. He can do things in and through you you've never even imagined because he is the author and finisher of our faith. And he can tell us, number seven, the things that are to come. Again, John 16, he goes on and it says, he shall glorify me for he shall take what is mine and shall show it unto you. All the things the father has are mine. Therefore, as I said, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. You see, this is again, one of those places that we go, oh my gosh, what does that mean? Does that mean just every time I need to know what, what is gonna be on the agenda of this meeting? God, show me the future. It's like, no, that's, that's not what we're talking about. But he's saying that he'll reveal all things of, 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 that are necessary, all things needed. Jesus is, 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 is pointing to the Holy Spirit and saying, he's going to come and empower you to, to understand what's going on in the spiritual as you navigate the, the natural He's going to give you uh, understanding and wisdom. And and there is even unique times through the gift of prophecy that he will reveal things that haven't happened yet to empower the believer and bring glory to the Father. There are unique times. Should that be all we care about? Absolutely not. Should that be the only thing we're focused on? Like, uh, you know, I always get uncomfortable when people go, I am this spiritual gift. No, you're not. The Holy Spirit gives gifts liberally as he pleases. 
If you want to pray for healing, let's pray for healing. If you want to pray for a word of knowledge, let's pray for a word of knowledge. If you want to pray for a prophecy, let's pray for prophecy. I want all of them whenever he feels I can have them. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to just say, well, I only operate in this one space under this one anointing. It's like, no, there are, there's so much to have. And if he wants to give me a word for the future, then God, give it to me. If he wants to give me uh, the ability to, to operate in this gift or that, I want it, but I don't want to surrender everything else and just focus on this one thing. The ninth one is this, and this is a entire, all these could be sermon series. He imparts spiritual gifts to us. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 12. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, a word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit and to another working of miracles, to another prophecy and to other discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretations of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. All of us, no matter who we are, are given spiritual gifts through God's Holy Spirit. We are empowered to operate in, in, in spiritual ways and by spiritual means. And, we're, and, and not everybody's given the same gift at the same time in the same way. But all of us make up the body of Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit in, an, or, in order to, to do and be all he's called us as the body of Christ to do and be. And without the gifts, we, we fall short a bit. Without the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit empowering the church, like, like listen, how many of us, right? there's times I do this too, how many of us are given a gift and then we press it down because we don't understand it? How many of us have been given a gift by God to do something, to, 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 to pray for healing, to pray again, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Uh, there's so many more gifts that we could get into hospitality gifts, all the different things, but, but the gifts of the spirit, how many of us are given a gift and then somehow, some way, because it's not fully clear, or maybe we don't have the courage to step out in faith and we just suppress it and don't operate in it. And who pays for that? It's the church around you who misses out. It's the body of Christ that, that is around you who doesn't get the fulfillment of God's best for the body. And so the, the gifts of the Spirit are again just that, a gift. Whatever it may be, whether it's speaking, listening, singing, arranging flowers, encouraging others, comforting one another in hard times, teaching, admonishing, whatever it might be, Use it for the glory of the almighty God. It's not used to self-promote or self-gloat or, or make much of me. Our gifts are all in an effort. This is, again, why I just always get uncomfortable when people go, this is my gift. I am healer. And, uh, that's not what I read. Why? Because I don't want a healer, I want the healer. 
I don't want some healer. I don't want, I want the Holy Spirit empowering somebody to come and do whatever he wants them to do and give me whatever gift he wants to give me. And so I'm not trying to make light of others. I'm just saying, let's have a balanced view of a biblical understanding of what the Spirit does and how he operates. And again, there's so much more, but, but those are the, the key ones. And the last thing I want to say is this, that the Holy Spirit fills the life of the believer. We see in Acts that, that, the, that the apostles, we see in Acts that the disciples are, are filled with the Holy Spirit. But then again, later on, they get filled up again. You see, this is a unique thing that I think some of us maybe have missed out on, maybe relinquished where we go, hey, I, I need an advantage for my life. I need help in my life. But, but I've already, you know, I got saved and, and I think I've been, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit and so that's enough. Well, beloved, I'm just telling you, life, the life I'm living, I need a constant and ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit in order to be everything God has called me to be and do all the things God has called me to do. There is a progression of, of it happens, and I want it again, and I want to do it again, and I want to do it again, and I need it again. So if I was to see and operate in the way you see the Bible talk about men of God, and this person filled with the Holy Spirit did X, Y, and Z, and then this person filled with the Holy Spirit went and navigated and, and led their company well. This person filled with the Holy Spirit led their family well. This person filled with the Holy Spirit was able to operate in the design God had made them for. So church, it's my desire that we would rightly understand what the word says about, about who the Holy Spirit is and what he's here to do, that he is the advantage and the help in our life. And apart from, from him, without him, I don't have help and I don't have an advantage. And so I don't just want to rest on, on what happened one day. Every day I want to pray to receive and be filled again with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that's going to look like. I, I know certainly what the scripture says about the Holy Spirit and about times where the Holy Spirit was filling people. There's times in Acts chapter two where they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they, the fire came over their heads and, and they spoke in tongues that couldn't, they didn't know and, and, and these people understood it, but these people didn't. There's times where the Holy Spirit falls and empowers and, and people get, I mean, just all kinds of different things happen. We don't have to understand the model in an effort to say, hey, I just want to do it. I, I want to receive it. I want to be somebody who receives the Holy Spirit and is empowered by the Holy Spirit and knows that I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit and yet I want to be filled up again. And that's mysterious, but it's necessary. Why? Because it's in the book. And so I want to in today, and again, we're past time and parking lot could get hairy, but I want to end today by, man, if you want to one more time or for the first time be prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, to be filled again with the Holy Spirit, I just want you to hold your hands out like this. Again, not looking for some 
outcome, but looking for more of God. Father, we come to you today because we love you. And we thank you for the moments that we have to be called your sons and daughters. And life is hard. Life is complex. Life is beautiful. But Lord, we're desperately in need of you. So God, we come before you today as the body of Christ fully surrendered and submitted to the mystery that is the the Trinity, to the magnitude of who you are, recognizing, God, that, that with you all things are possible, but without you we can do a whole lot of nothing. So Lord, right now, not for the show, not for some picture on Instagram, but God, for the, for the sake of the church coming to life and stepping into everything you've made us to be, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, Lord, would you fill us again with your Holy Spirit? Would you baptize us afresh and anew? Would you anoint us with an unusual favor of God to to operate in ways that the world would see and be, be confused by so that we might point people to Jesus? God, would you empower us to, to be your church, to be your church in a lost and dying world, to be your church in the, in the midst of a, of a perverse generation, God, would you give us your spirit again to do what you've called us to do and be everything you've called us to be? And the word says, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. So church, all we have to do is say, I receive the Holy Spirit. So in this quiet moment, oh God, would you come and stir us up again and empower us to go out of this place and be your church. God, come and have your way in this place. And for tomorrow and the next day and the next day, God, would you fill us again and again. We honor you today and we love you and we thank you for filling us up and empowering us to be your church, your bride. God, we love you and we honor you and we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen, church. Amen Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.